0: This is episode 22 of the Rise Up podcast. We're a morning radio show hosted by Steve, Therese, and Tim on Family Life, a network of stations across New York and Pennsylvania. Our podcast is a weekly conversation that will help you think and grow in your faith. If you haven't already, subscribe today so you don't miss a single episode. And find out more about our show at familylife.org.
1: Feel free to stick around a while. We love it when you're here. This is Rise Up with Steve, Therese, and Tim on Family Life.
2: Let's talk about a topic that we don't have a, a lot of experience recently about. Of course, that narrows it down to about 300 subjects, probably. <laughs> um, but in this case, it's singleness and yeah. being single. It's been uh, 33 years since I've been single uh, and a and little less for Each of you. But uh, when you're not single, sometimes you're like, okay, well, what can I say? Because there's single people listening right now. They're going like, you don't understand. Yeah,
0: right. You're not in
2: the midst of what I'm going through. So uh, anybody want to tackle this first singleness? (laughs) Well,
3: and I feel like that that awkwardness is a big part of it, you know, because somehow as married people, we feel like we don't have anything to say about singleness, and so we just don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's what a big part of the church does. You know, we spend sermons on Sundays talking about marriage, talking about family, but when was the last time a pastor stood up in front of a full congregation and spoke on singleness? Right, right. It hardly ever happens. I don't know if I've ever sat through a message on singleness. And meanwhile, all of our single friends sit through those sermons Mm -hmm. on marriage, Mm -hmm. and on child rearing, and on relationships, and they're just there.
0: And I've heard a lot of those sermons that are preached, well-meaning, but uh, they often start with something like, now if this doesn't apply to you now, it will someday, and gives single people the impression that, well, well, it could could go two ways. One, it could be hopeful for somebody who's really hoping for that, but for somebody else, it might make them feel, do I not have value and till i'm going to be married or if i'm not going to be a family person someday does that mean that i'm somehow less than or or not measuring up or not part of this family and I had a single friend who uh, referred to the singleness groups in his church experience as being pre-marriage groups. (laughs) That really bothered him a lot Mm -hmm. because he thought, well, why don't we have singles ministry that ministers to single people like myself where we are at instead of treating us as people who are just trying to become the next thing, become a different thing? Do we have value where we are right now as single people? And of course, the answer is yes.
2: We can learn from everybody, Tim. You mentioned the other day uh, that uh, age... Group. And I'm not talking about single or married right now, just age group itself, that young people can learn from the elders of the church. The older people in the church can learn from the younger people in the church. And I think the same situation that uh, Therese just mentioned as far as uh, uh, from the pulpit. Uh, We can learn as married people from single people, and single people have just as much to contribute (laughs) to the church as married people with or without kids and everything, all those in between. So it's, it's a body It's the body of Christ. It's everybody Mm -hmm. included, and that means single people, married people, and one should not be put and is not put above the other. The Bible talks about that. It's good to be single,
0: right? (laughs) Not Not to mention that every Sunday we hear a sermon preached from something Paul wrote or something Jesus said. We're learning from a single person. Right.
3: Exactly. (laughs) Right. Like, we forget that Paul was a single person. Jesus was a single person. Now, did he speak about relationships? Absolutely. But— It was more often than not just relationships with one another. You know, how believers should treat believers, Mm -hmm. how believers should treat unbelievers, how we should treat our neighbors, all of those things. I read something really fascinating about singles. And I remember when I was single, I tried connecting with big churches because you figure it's a numbers game. You know, big churches are more likely to have a singles ministry. And if I'm single, I must connect with a singles ministry. And so a big church is more likely to have a lot of people in that ministry. So there's more likely to be people like me. And then I would get into these big churches and I would feel like a number and I would kind of get lost. So it didn't surprise me to read that never married singles prefer small churches. Hmm. Specifically, they say they have a more fulfilling church experience if there are fewer than 100 people in that church. And it got me thinking about, well, what kind of churches are are those? You know, what's the vibe of that church? What makes a person feel like they have value in a church like that? And I think the key is just that there's an opportunity to serve and be a big part of the church. I mean, if there's a 100 people in the church, one person is 1% of that church. But if there's 1,200 people in the church, one person is a very small yeah. percentage of that church and so it allows someone who's coming to church by themselves to feel like they're a bigger part of something if you go to a smaller church keep keep your eye open for people who are coming by themselves, you know, Mm. help them feel welcome. And I think a lot of times those smaller churches, and this is, again, me making an assumption, but I don't think it's necessarily too far off base. A lot of times those are older churches and you might see some of those other end of the spectrum singles. I mean, this research was based on never married, but you're more likely to probably see widows and widowers at some of those older smaller churches, and there's value in that singleness, too. It's
2: funny you mentioned I was going to say you brought up my next topic when you said that term was used never married singles and I think generally we we, most of us when we think of singles we think of the younger uh, generation Uh, but then there's also the never married and that's okay too and that's fine but then yes what you just said Teresa you get into the uh, we're all eventually uh, there are rare exceptions where both male and female you know husband and wife die at the same time that does happen but that's rare Uh, the majority uh, if you're married Eventually, you'll be single uh, for a little while, right? Um, and uh, yes, how do we approach those people as well? That's a another ministry, and they have so much to offer. Uh, even oh, I can just imagine the people who are widowed or widow, you know, widower or widower. Uh, ministering to the younger singles about what they've learned mm. during their entire wow. you know, uh, mm. journey of marriage. And they have so much to offer and, and we should offer them. I think Therese hit the key. It's like, keep your eye open, keep your antenna up for the singles, no matter what age.
0: And the Bible has so much to say really to say about caring for widows in the church, and it wouldn't exclude widowers also being somebody who need to feel folded into the family of God. And that word family is something I think is really important here because maybe it's a, an American thing, maybe it's just a Western thing in general. We're so individualistic though. We think we're part of a family if we've got the white picket fence and the people who live in the same place that we pay a mortgage for. But According to the Bible, family isn't something that just happens when you get married and you sign some documents with the Justice of the Peace or somewhere the court recognizes. Family is what God established in Christ. And none of us are alone because of what he did. And I don't know. I don't know if we always see ourselves with our church as being a family as much as that's somewhere I go with my family. And families go to this and someday, maybe I don't have a family right now, but when or if I do, I'll go to the church with my family. The Bible really wants us to see the church is our family. There's so much support and there's so much, I think, validation that comes from you wherever part of life you might be happening to be in when you are able to see the church as the real family of God that it is there's something complete
3: about that word family you know it implies that that you're finished that you're whole mm. and so often i think singles are meant to feel Unwhole, you know. If you're talking about someone who's lost a spouse, they feel like a a part of them is missing. If it's an unmarried person, they feel like somehow they aren't living up to their God given potential if they're not married with a family. And it's interesting what Paul said about singles in First Corinthians. He says to the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single. He doesn't say. It's okay that you're single, or someday maybe you won't be single, or someday you'll be complete. No, he says, this this thing that you're in, it's good. And God can use singleness in a lot of different ways. A lot of people who are single have the the ability to go and do things for the kingdom that people who have families, young kids— they can't. you know, you may have uh, financial freedom to be able to do things that people who have the responsibility of a family aren't able to. It's not just okay to be single or maybe someday to be single. No, the Bible says it is good to be single. and so walk in that, that that knowing that you're whole already
2: loving money is uh, putting it above God or anything above God is a bad thing. Money itself is not bad. We all know it's the the love uh, of money. And that can be for everything, including marriage. If your focus, if your number one focus is marriage above God, putting that as a priority above God, well, marriage is an idol then. And that's not a good thing. Anything put above God is an idol. So, uh, no matter what it is, and this time we're talking, you know, singleness, don't look at that as, uh, don't be so, so focused. Everywhere you go, I have to find someone for me. I have to find that wholeness that Therese was talking about. I have to find, to make me complete. I have to, have to, have to. No, put God first, and He promises to uh, direct your paths, always keeping God first in every situation.
1: Facing a whole new day is a lot easier when you remember that God is in charge. You're listening to Rise Up on Family Life.
0: The waves as they gently go over your feet and the little birdies as they're singing. (laughs) (laughs) Nature, it just can't help but sing. Whether we hear it or not, Mm -hmm. the waves, they're singing to God's glory. The Mm. birds, they do it every morning, regardless of what's going on. They're going to keep singing. And it turns out there's another melody in the universe that we've never been able to hear until just now listen to this that's what they call a star quake it's a sound that's been reverberating throughout the universe since God created. We've never been able to hear it. Too sensitive for our ears. But but scientists are clever. They found a way to compile all this together so we could finally hear a sound that represents what stars have been doing, singing to God's glory all along, ever since he created this universe.
3: Wow, that sound. I'm, I, I'm, it's cool that it's the stars, but... I've heard that sound before. What? I know. it. Oh, yeah. I feel like that's the sound that Steve's stomach makes right before Nick's picture <laughs> can fix every Wednesday morning. You know? But Nick's there and it's always good.
1: <laughs> we hope the rest of your day is just as much fun as this. You're listening to Rise Up on Family Life.
2: It was 30 years and just a little over six months ago. I'll never forget the feeling. Uh, dad, for the first time, and we brought Laura home. And I'll I can picture myself still in the kitchen. Holding her, her head was in my hand. The rest of her legs mm-hmm. were down about my uh, mid-elbow.
3: Like the football. Exactly, the yeah. a a football hold. And I <laughs> yeah. looked at her
2: and I said, well, what do we do now?
3: <laughs> I didn't ah. know what to do.
2: I, I mean, it yeah, the first time. And, yeah, the, mm-hmm. that, and and I had a very similar feeling the other day. Mm. You ready for this? What was that? Now, I'm a city kid. I'm not much of a, and a suburban kid. I'm not much of a country guy. So right. I was lost. I looked out in the yard and I thought it was a big brown bag uh-oh but no oh i found out it was on further inspection that it was a cute little speckled fawn a baby oh had no. just been born oh. on our so- and i had that same feeling well, what do i do now yeah. i didn't know so i did the same thing i did over 30 years ago just yeah. let, let mom take care of it yeah, mom, yeah. always <laughs> let mom take care of it it's the best thing to do
1: Thanks for making us part of your morning routine. It's Rise Up with Steve, Therese, and Tim on Family Life.
3: If you feel that chill in the air, if you hear the sleigh bells in your brain, it's not your imagination. It is Christmas in June. It is? Where? In my garden, and uh, here's the reason why. Okay. If you're like me, and you have planted a ridiculous number of tomato plants, and you know <laughs> what's coming—that uh-huh. that as soon as that fruit begins to oh. form and turn red, and in come the birds, and they're like, "That looks delicious." Oh, it's pretty no. funny, actually. <laughs> when your tomatoes get attacked, it's not for the food as much as the liquid that it's like a source of hydration or water, you oh, know. And gotcha. so, yeah. birds will come along and they peck, peck, peck at them, and they get out the liquid they want. And then and off they go and you're like great now we can't eat that. So Christmas in June mm-hmm. what you do is you get some of the red plastic christmas ornaments from mm-hmm. your stash okay. and you hang them on your tomato cages. Oh, your oh. neighbors will think that you're being grossly festive but in reality <laughs> you are just trying to trick the birds cuz oh. they take a couple pecks at those ornaments and they're like this is fruitless. Yeah. Oh, I see what you did And then there. they move oh, on, and then you get to enjoy more of your tomatoes. So
0: unsatisfying for the poor birds, though. That oh. was fruitless.
1: Bird <laughs> brains. <laughs> They're morning people because they love mornings and people. It's Rise Up with Steve, Therese, and Tim on Family Life.
2: That shouldn't be a record. That can't be a record. <laughs> okay. It's not a record. Oh, this can't be a record. Uh, some cooks got together. And made a 46 pound, three and point three four ounces. If you're going to be exact, chicken nugget. 46 uh, pounds, uh, that's not a nugget, that's like a that's a chicken ch- chicken boulder, exactly. <laughs> now, if it's a record uh, for a chicken boulder, fine, but it can't right. be a chicken nugget, 46 yeah. pounds.
0: I think when you get to the point where there are multiple chickens worth of meat going into it, yeah, you lose the nugget territory, you're, you're past that Thank at that you. point. Just, there's Thank so
3: many you. things, about like they cut it up and they shared it which means now you didn't like get a nugget, you had like a chicken chunk chicken and if you chunk, didn't even get right? any of the breading part does it count and then how many extra dipping sauces and how much is <laughs> right. that gonna cost you? And, and right? You're I put mean the dipping sauces in like a bucket well, right like the one piece either. nug. I mean nobody gets that, oh, right?
0: No. Oh no, I think this... you'd have to be slathering the sauce on too because the surface area there's just a lot of problems. I think we really need to go to the board whoever decided on this. Who says we don't touch on the
2: controversial topics mm-hmm. here family life? <laughs> rise up,
0: <laughs> chicken nugget. No way.
3: We might not know what God has planned for today, but we're going to face it together. This is Rise Up on Family Life.